Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics, as well as self-improvement. If you want to find out more about me, visit my website, jake-parker.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. All right. Hi, guys. This is Jake Parker back with the Beyond Fit podcast. I have Shane Hubbard on. This is his third time on the podcast. I think the last time he was on uh, the podcast was still called What's Your Story? Uh, But Shane has always been on the podcast to talk fitness. And so today I thought we'd delve a little bit into something he's been talking a lot about, posting a lot about, which is a calorie deficit. What exactly that means, uh, dieting, all sorts of things like that. So Shane, why don't you go ahead and say hi and kind of tell us why that's been at the top of mind for you lately. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. As always, it's always a pleasure to be on your podcast and chat with you. Uh, So yeah, I've been talking a lot about a calorie deficit and, you know, probably since the new year started. And I think the, the, the motivation there is to help people understand more about what really matters when it comes to losing body fat. I think there's so much information out there. It says, you know, you eat less, exercise more. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's decent advice to get started, but it really isn't as concise and specific as it can be. So mm-hmm. just to quickly define what a calorie deficit is, it's essentially the difference between the calories that you consume and the calories that you burn. It's really not any different than what you've heard in the past. Um, but what I think gets kind of lost in all that is all these other you know, types of methods like, you know, keto and all these different things that people have done in the past to lose weight without understanding what's really going on at at the fundamental level. So I set out to help define what a calorie deficit is, still using the same kind of terminology that people are used to, like, you know, more, uh, eat less, exercise more, things like that. But to be a little bit more specific and try to give more of a clear definition that doesn't feel like it's really abstract and, and not really helpful to Mm. actually take actionable you know steps towards that to losing body fat yeah i've been kind of more optimistic lately i just feel like i mean it's definitely partly a product of my environment no doubt but i feel like i do hear people talking about calories more recently uh than you know things like fat loss pills or you know diets like keto or crash diets you know like each body is something i've been seeing too that stuff definitely still exists to a large extent, but I, I, I feel like I, and I, and I hope that, that this is true. It's like people like Mike Matthews that I like to follow and, you know, people like you and us that are giving out good information are becoming more so the norm. And I hope that that continues to grow because to me, it's sad sometimes to see people struggle because this information really is simple, but it gets really clouded and people want to, I feel like, you know, people, if you look at it business wise, make money off people being confused and buying supplements and feeding into crash diets and fad diets and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. They do. And in fact, you know, I would even argue that fitness, the money to be made in fitness, uh, quick money anyway, that that isn't based on integrity is to continually confuse people. Because if you have them you know, saying, oh, well, this is the next best thing, then it's somehow different. But in, in reality, whether you're doing the keto diet, or you're doing some type of low carb, something or another, or whatever the diet is, it all is predicated on a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. So what I decided to do is say, listen, I don't 
care if you want to do low carb. I don't care if you want to do, you know, medium carb or high carb, whatever the approach is that works best for you is fine. But understand that nothing gets done or no fat is lost without creating some kind of caloric deficit. Because I think that there's this idea out there that there's only certain ways to lose body fat. And within a, a very small amount of information and principles, uh, that's absolutely not true. There is multiple different ways that you can lose body fat mm -hmm. and different eating styles that can achieve that. Um, so helping people understand that they can, like if they don't want to do keto, you can still lose weight. And I think that mm -hmm. was something that I got some feedback on, you know, over the holidays, just from friends and family. And uh, so kind of my mission this year is to been like, you know, just get after it and try to mm -hmm. really teach people that no, you can, as long as you have a calorie deficit, you're good. Yeah. To me, the biggest problem is like people want to put the cart before the horse and like they want to do the last 5% and focus on that. Where like at a certain point, does the amount of fat versus the amount of carbs in your diet matter? Yeah. Maybe if you have 95% of the rest of the stuff mastered, but it's like, you know, like you say, just managing calories and knowing how calories work with your body composition and knowing that you have to be in a deficit in order to lose weight. That's 80%, if not more, you know, you know, you have, if it fits your macros diet, keto, like you said, all of these diets are leading people to a calorie deficit and that's, what's going to help you lose fat. And my hope is that I, I'm kind of like a nerd for the, the last 5%, you know, what supplements are really valuable out there, what kind of macros and what food should we be eating within our calorie uh, needs. But you can't nerd out on that stuff until you have a really, really good base. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when I'm talking to the people that I serve best, they are way, way far away from focusing on the last mm -hmm. 5%. Most people can't even prove to me that they can focus on the first 95. Mm -hmm. So what I tell them is I said, look, listen, you got to prove that it's, you know, you got to prove to yourself and to me as a client of mine that, that you need to spend time on that last 5%. You know, I'll have people approach me either on social media or just, you know, for the first time as a client and say, Hey, you know, what supplements should I be taking? I said, mm -hmm. you need to get your nutrition in order first. Like you need mm -hmm. to be exercising more supplements is the last thing I care about. Mm -hmm. Now, if you need like a protein supplement to make getting more protein more convenient, yeah. then that falls into like the 95%. Exactly. But if you're trying to take like, you know, this over the counter fat burner, because you're like, it's going to add that it's like, it doesn't matter unless you know, you're doing everything else. Right. So mm -hmm. I try to encourage that. And I think that a lot of the focus for a lot of people, because it's the shiny new object is supplements. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to say, listen, there's nothing wrong with supplements, but you got to take care of this stuff first. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see protein as more like a part of the diet than a supplement even almost because it, that's, that's, I guess that's just how I treat it. It kind of depends how you want to look at it, but just helping you to get enough protein, which is I think one of the things you mentioned, if I remember correctly, is just a calorie deficit tip is having enough protein, getting your protein in every meal because it's going to satiate you and it's going to help you build muscle. And uh, it's one of them. It's the most thermogenic of the macronutrients. So it takes more energy to burn than carbs or fats. There's just tons of benefits to protein. I don't think that you could find anyone that's going to say that anything besides a high protein diet uh, is the best. Yeah. And, and my approach is to try to help people cre cre uh, create a caloric deficit. Um, with as little calorie counting as possible. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't want to have to count calories until it becomes super necessary or it's the person's preference. If mm -hmm. they like the first question I ask, well, maybe not the first, but close to it is, do you want to count calories or macros? And if mm -hmm. they say no, then we find another way around it. Yeah. I think it, we're coming to a point now where we're starting to understand so much about the proper ways in order to create a caloric deficit with much more manageable, actionable tips that counting calories 
isn't for everyone and it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. certainly there there's a time and a place for it if you're down to like you know the last you know 10 percent body fat that you want to mm-hmm. lose counting calories is probably a priority but if you've got you know if you're sitting at 35 percent body fat there's plenty of things that you can do just from a nutritional you know organization and like portion uh control so to speak that you can do before you have to count a single calorie. Mm-hmm. So I think that understanding that, that there's kind of stages to this, you know, the first stage is just get your nutrition in order. Second stage is, okay, do you want to lose that last 10 pounds? Okay. We're mm-hmm. going to have to be a little bit more diligent with calories. Nine times out of 10 though, I'm working with people who just want to simply get started and mm-hmm. want to just be able to find ways to create lifestyle habits that help keep extra pounds off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not really realistic to go from, you know, just having a diet that doesn't really have any restrictions to like, I'm going to count all my calories. It's like, I've, I've had the same conversation with people and like, you know, some people, the other thought that I had was some people counting calories might work well for them if they're like of a very analytical mindset and like, that's the way they function. But for most people, it's such a big change. And like, I've had conversations where it's like, well, I've heard counting calories is best. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, on paper, absolutely. Like it definitely 100% works on paper, but that's not how people work. You know, people have their biases and their, you know, struggles and different mental battles and a whole other sheet of things that make it probably not the best thing in practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I've only worked with one person who really enjoyed counting calories and he was an engineer. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like an analytical type. And so mm-hmm. for him, it was just another part of his day that he was, you know, keeping track of things. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times um, there's this idea that you're going to have way more control if you're counting calories, which is mm-hmm. true. I mean, you do have a little bit more control, but at what cost? And I think that if you can't sustain something like keeping track of your calories every single day, then the benefit isn't outweighed by the, you know, the, the downside mm-hmm. of things or the side effects. Mm-hmm. So what I, like I just started a uh, virtual group nutrition coaching program this year to start off the year. And one of the things that it's built upon is focusing on a single habit at a time. We'll focus on just one thing. And I, you have to basically prove to me that you're, you understand what's going on mm-hmm. before you get to move that next habit. And for a lot of people learning that slow, so to speak, is you know, the perfect amount of time. Like if you were to go learn how to play the piano, you're not going to be playing Mozart the first lesson. That just doesn't make sense. You know, you have to learn what the keys mean and how to position your hands. Mm -hmm. So it's things like that, that I I think that because it's not the sexy, like I'm going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days Mm -hmm. mentality, we tend to forget that who cares about how fast you lose weight. Let's, let's think about how we can lose weight at a consistent pace to then never have to worry about Mm -hmm. it again. That's to me so much more important. Yeah. That's like the good and bad news to me. It's like the bad news, it's not going to be as quick as you want. But the good news is like once you learn this stuff and once you put it into practice, it is effective. And once you learn, you know, what it takes, it's, it's relatively easy to maintain. Like it reminds me of a conversation I literally had yesterday with my brother. Uh, maybe I'll tell him to listen to this. Hi, Will. But uh, we, he, he's, he's been getting back into exercising after being like very on and off with it for a while, but he's uh, a lot more committed to it now. He's tracking it. And I've given him like a workout plan, just very basic, like what lifts to do and help him with his lifts. And uh, he's like, he's like, yeah, I just have a hard time, you know, like, because I want, you know, I want to look better and like, I want to see it. And he's like, I know it can't be immediate. And I was like, yeah, that's the tough thing. But the nice thing is if you really like work with me and ask me questions and figure this stuff out for yourself, like it'll be relatively easy for the rest of your life to maintain a healthy body. And so that's, that's the good news right there. Like another, it reminds me of another thing Mike Matthews says, I mention his name all the time because I think 
he just has the best information. He's like, it's really simple when you look at it. Like everyone has a certain amount of muscle that they could probably put on uh, with their genetic makeup. And so once you focus on doing that, and once you learn how to manage your body fat, that's like the rest of your life. You can have like a lean and healthy body as long as you don't go way too off the rails, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you're essentially investing in yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, I think another thing mentally that a lot of people get hung up on is that they have to be like perfect from the day they, they decide to get mm -hmm. started to the rest of their life. It's like, no, that's not realistic at all. Um, what I encourage people to think about is like an 80, 20 split. And I think we even uh -huh. talked about this in the mm -hmm. past where, you know, if you can get it right 80% of the time, then that's awesome. 20% of that time you can have fun. And that's on a daily, a weekly, a monthly, and a, a lifetime basis. Um, to, to try to think you're going to be 100% perfect all the time, that every workout's going to feel amazing and that you're always going to want to weigh in, that's unrealistic. So, you know, and, and for those that are thinking, well, 80-20 even sounds like too much. Well, what are you doing right now? Are you like 50-50? Mm -hmm. You're 50-50, try 60-40. Like, exactly. I think that the rate at which we decide that we want to graduate is, is a huge mental concept to understand mm -hmm. like you can't go from like 40 percent effort to 80 percent ever overnight like it's mm -hmm. just not going to happen at least not consistently because that's a whole different lifestyle it's a whole different plan a whole different routine so like a lot of what i do is i spend time telling people listen this is the way we need to start thinking about this screw all those diets and all those ads that you've seen on mm -hmm. super quick weight loss you've probably already done those and did it work no because if it did you wouldn't be talking to me right now mm -hmm. so you know, a lot of it is, is mindset, like we've talked about in the past, but it's also about just showing up, like doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, that's, it's just, I don't know. It's interesting to me to think about like specifically an example I see a lot is, you know, like some people reach a really good shape at one point in their lives and then just completely lose it. Like people that are athletes in college, you know, or people that, Oh, you know, I was on, I was doing CrossFit for a few months and I got in such good shape. Then I stopped because I hurt my knee or my shoulder or whatever. It's like, that's why it's harmful to just try to look at the, look at the way people look and think that they have knowledge. Whereas some people, you know, the people that have the most knowledge aren't always in the best shape. They don't always look ripped. They don't always taking their shirts off. You know, it's like, it, it's that consistency. And can you, can you do this for your life? And do you know why you look the way you look and do you know how to help other people uh, get there even if it's not the same way as you are doing it you know what I mean so it's like I, I would always be absolutely wary of someone who's like oh you know you got to try this diet you got to do CrossFit and eat paleo and you'll look like me it's like yeah maybe that's true but there's also two dozen three dozen other ways to get there at the same time you know yeah, within a, a small group of principles, everyone can kind of get there in a different mm -hmm. route. And you also have to look at, you know, your life. Are you able to like the guy who you see on bodybuilding.com or you see in, you know, men's health or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever magazine, maybe it's a woman you're, you're, you're paying attention to or kind of look up to from a body standpoint. And, you know, you got to realize that a lot of times that's their job, like that mm -hmm. their job is to be lean 24 seven. So they don't do anything else other than make sure they're eating the right amount of foods, eating the right amount of calories that they're working out as, as often as they need to. That is their like 80% of their time is dedicated to that. You most likely are a, you know, nine to five employee, or you have maybe an hour a day to work out. You can meal prep on the weekends, you know, your time is limited. So what can we maximize with the time you're able to give and fit your, your expectations in a more realistic mm -hmm. time frame for your lifestyle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing that came to mind, like, as we were talking is it's like the 80, 20 
like you can look at it on a day to day, but you can also look at 80, 20, as far as your whole life. Like if you have a stressful time when you're working on a project at work or you're having a new baby, like there's a, there's a bunch of things that happen in life. Like maybe you will get a little bit more out of shape. Maybe you'll get a little bit more fat, but if you have those principles in mind and you're like, this is a temporary thing, you know, after a few months pass and the baby is more under control or, you know, work is, is less stressful, then I can more easily integrate these principles that I know are going to help me get back into the shape I want to be in. So it's like 80, 20 can be day to day. It can be your whole life too. Yeah, absolutely. And being able to be comfortable with maintenance is another thing I, I see yeah. my clients have a hard time mentally getting over. It's like, I should always be losing fat. It's like, no, like that, that is not always going to happen. Um, just recently, actually, I had someone come up to me and they go, I, I'm going to get swamped with work pretty soon. It's, mm -hmm. it's tax season. So he was like, I don't, what do I do? And I said, just maintain whatever you can, you know, get, get to a maintenance level. Don't worry about, you know, your caloric deficit right now. Just try to eat a more balanced uh, you know, calorie amounts, um, get the exercise in when you can. So being able to make adjustments on the fly is completely fine. I've had somebody within a month go, my work schedule is going to be hectic. They told me coming in, it was gonna be hectic. Um, and I go, okay, cool. Maintenance phase. We're doing it until you have more time. Then we're back at it. Yeah. And that seems to having that permission, I think is really important for a lot of people, which is why I'm saying it now, give yourself permission to take a break from trying to lose fat. You, mm -hmm. You're not going to try to lose fat every single day, week, of the year until you get to your goal, there are going to be periods where you need maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. So my other question, um, we've talked basically just about how to have a calorie deficit, but this is another thing that I was talking about with my brother, who's like naturally pretty skinny and I'm trying to help him put on some muscle. And he kind of, he go, he goes back and forth with me about, he's like, Oh, I I'm, I'm scared of eating too many calories. And like, I want to do cardio to lose fat. And I was trying to explain to him, and I wonder what your experience is with this with clients. Uh, I was like saying how, okay, you're going to eat more calories than your body's burning right now, but that's going to be fuel to build muscle. And when you build muscle, your body's going to burn more calories on its own. So it's a whole different process where eating more is going to lead eventually to your body burning more calories without you doing anything. So how often are you putting people on like a calorie maintenance or even like a slight surplus in order to gain muscle to up their metabolic rate? Uh, I would say out of every 10 clients, like two or three are mm -hmm. kind of shooting for that goal. And, um, you know, most of the time it is the, it's the mental hurdle that you're mm -hmm. going to be eating more and that you might put on some body fat. Mm -hmm. I think where people make the mistake on their own doing this is that they think that a calorie surplus is like a free for all, <laughs> right, <laughs> like yeah. I can eat whatever I want kind of thing. And it's like, no, a surplus is really just, you know, two to 300 calories more than you were eating at maintenance. Mm -hmm. And if we're not looking at, you know, calories specifically, we can look at portions. Like if your fat loss portion, you know, is this amount of protein, this amount of carbs and this amount of fat, then it's a, just a step in, in one of those portions up. It's a very small amount because you don't need, you know, a ton of calories. It's the same approach in terms of a time frame. If you're losing weight over three, four, you know, six, 12 months, you have to take it slow calorie surplus is the same way. It's not eat as much as you can, lift as much as you can, gain as much weight as you can possible. That's how you get fat. If you do it as slow as you did when you were trying to lose weight, you're going to have a much better experience and you're going to put a lot more lean tissue on than you are going to put fat tissue. So mm -hmm. the process mentally is still the same in terms of a time frame. It's just going in the opposite direction. So what I say to people is if you're afraid of losing fat, then really stick to that just a small addition 
above your maintenance. Don't try to like, oh, I can have ice cream and pizza whenever I want. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you still got to manage things to some degree. Yeah. And I think it's useful to, to like something, a, a big shift for me has been like, I'll definitely still go through periods of muscle gain focus. Uh, you could call it bulking. That's kind of a negative connotation where you think of like, you know, eating just a lot of shit. But um, whereas I used to, when I was, when I was gaining muscle, eat more, you know, treat foods, ice cream, pizza, like the couple you mentioned, um, we all have an idea of that stuff, what that stuff is, but, um, where now I'll just do more so like eating bigger portions of the food I'm already eating, or like maybe for example, go from like 85% lean beef to 70% lean beef or 80, or instead of eating a half pound sweet potato, eat a pound sweet potato and stuff like that. And you'll be surprised how easy it is, you know, add another tablespoon of olive oil to your, to your meal. If you want to hit that two or 300 uh, calorie surplus, you don't have to, well, you, sh- you probably shouldn't be unless you can really control it, eating those, those really shit foods that we know we shouldn't be eating. Uh, and it really is not that big of an adjustment. It's just kind of that mental hurdle of knowing what you're doing to your body. But if you know why, and you know what the outcome is that we're looking for, then it can be something that's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And like, if I'm looking at it a portion basis, if I'm, if I'm recommending that one of my clients eats, you know, a half a cup of white rice at their meals for fat loss for muscle gain, it's, it's maybe three fourths of a cup to a cup. It's like, that's, that's all the change that I'm really making. Um, most of the time I'm not in weeks. That's, that's it, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really as boring, so to speak, as trying to lose body fat. It's just the other direction. Mm Mm-hmm. So a couple other, a couple of the other calorie deficit tips you talked about here that I like the most is uh, speak a little bit on why you see increased activity or why you like to recommend that before decreasing calories, and then speak a little bit on hunger as well, because those were the two that that stuck with me the most that resonated that I liked. Yeah, absolutely. So the reason why I like to increase activity before I decrease calories when trying to manage a caloric deficit is because there's a lot more room for most people, most of the people I work with anyway, mm-hmm. to increase activity. If I bring a client on and I have them go through a whole week's worth of intake forms, eight times out of 10, like 80% of them aren't getting enough activity. And if I was to estimate their calories based on their food journals, you know, they're not eating enough either. So the reason why I recommend that is because if, let's say you're eating 1300 calories and you're a guy who's, you know, you know, five, nine, one, 78 or something mm-hmm. like that, you don't have a lot more room to decrease calories. Like you at some point you're going to be eating 900 calories just to be in a deficit. You're going to be miserable. Life's going to suck. That's not an existence I want for you. And it's not a sustainable existence, but what you could do is increase your activity burn more calories and slowly actually increase the amount of calories you're consuming if you are keeping that activity up. So in just in terms of making more improvements over time that are sustainable, there's much more room to increase activity than there is to decrease calories, mm-hmm. um, at least for the majority of people. Now, if I got someone who's working out, you know, either mixed between low intensity, high intensity, weightlifting, you know, five days a week, they probably don't have a whole lot more room to add activity, maybe some low intensity walks here and there, but yeah. I don't want to stretch someone so then they can't keep up with that activity. So then at that point, I might actually look at calories and say, okay, let's decrease how much we're intaking now. So that's why I wanted to make such a, uh, a big point about that is mm-hmm. that really is a great way to, to focus on it. And that actually came from a woman I was training about a year ago. Um, you know, she was having that problem. And so I, we basically fixed it with that adjustment. 
Yeah, and just similar similar to the two or three hundred calorie increase we mentioned with uh, the muscle gain emphasis, uh, I think people forget that you know a 30, 45 minute walk can be a two or two or three hundred uh, calorie burn, and so that's going to help you get into more of that deficit on the day to day. And in addition, it's like who doesn't you know love walking if it's a nice day outside? You know, walk, if you a lot of people have a dog or whatever, you know, walk with your kids, your husband, wife, girlfriend, whatever stuff like that. It's like you don't always have to be pounding the treadmill. Right. Yeah. Get outside, do something that, I mean, it's, it's very therapeutic, at least for me to walk, like oh, to be yeah. able to just step away from my desk or whatever I'm doing, go for like a 10 minute walk changes my entire day. Mm-hmm. It actually pushes me in a much better position. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I haven't met one person that, that is in my coaching that can't find some time to walk. It's just about doing it. Um, so yeah, that's the best course of action. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people that like you hear in history too, that took walks like presidents and, uh, writers and stuff like that. Uh, I, I feel like I always hear examples of that because it is just such a mental refresh. And if you want to, you know, even challenge yourself even more, kind of add a different layer, it's nice to just leave your phone at home and go for a walk. That's how you really can, can gain some clarity and uh, just kind of reset. It's almost like a meditative process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then in regards to hunger, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I put that out on Twitter was because I think that you know, in a fat loss phase, we're constantly trying to manage hunger and lose fat at the same time. And I, I don't think it's a clear idea of what you should expect when you're in a caloric deficit. One of the things is you are going to be a little bit hungry, but there's a huge difference, as you'll see, between, yeah, you know, I could have, you know, something to eat and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to rip somebody's head off unless I get some food. So managing your hunger is probably the single most important thing to do well in a caloric deficit because it's going to be the biggest influence on you either overeating or doing some type of binge eating. So I always like to tell people, listen, eat the amount of meals or snacks within your caloric deficit, um, you know, in terms of frequency throughout the day that helps keep your blood sugar and helps keep your mood stable. Because if you've been told in the past that intermittent fasting is the best way to lose fat, but you get cranky every, you know, four hours because you haven't eaten, then mm-hmm. that's not going to be the best long-term solution. There's plenty of people that can do intermittent fasting and are like killing it after like 16 hours. They feel great. That's mm-hmm. great. That's great. But not everyone's built that way. So managing hunger is a huge component. And I think, you know, most people don't manage their hunger correctly because they're not eating the kind of foods that help you manage hunger mm-hmm. that help, you know, actually make you satiated. So mm-hmm focusing on whole food nutrition as that 80% and having kind of those fun foods 20% of the time dramatically changes your hunger during a fat loss phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking earlier about like something you said, I remember on on another podcast we had, which was like, we were kind of talking about like, if it fits your macros sort of dieting and just the fact that like, yeah, can you eat 200 calories of Doritos in your diet and be fine? Yeah, you can technically. It's another one of those things that, that looks really nice on paper with the X's and O's, but like that's the kind of food that's going to drive you to eat more and is not really going to do anything for you in terms of filling you up in terms of satiety. So that's why it's important to eat those whole natural foods like you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've kind of changed my, my tune on if it fits your macros to, mm-hmm. to say this. Um, if, you're, if you're doing if it fits your macros because you, all you want to do is eat Pop-Tarts and Doritos and, and just fit it within you know, your calorie deficit, then I, you're not going to have success long term. And you're, you're going to end up having to do this all over again anyway. But I think that it's important mentally for a lot of people to have that freedom to go, okay, when I have this 
amount of allotment of whole foods, I'm, you know, I'm able to still have some of these foods that are more fun and less nutritious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. But again, make sure it fits in that 20% yeah. category if you really want to make this work for you. Yeah. And know that those foods are literally engineered for you to eat more. So do what you have to do as far as like uh, getting a single serving, you know, portioning out what you're going to eat, not just like, you know, eating Doritos out of the bag, because that stuff is really, it's, it's psychologically addictive to, to a certain extent. Yeah, you bring up a great point. Like uh, the, the conversation I get into the other day was uh, about um, zero calorie sodas. Like, you know, do I, do I think they're a good thing? And I said, well, listen, the fact that they have zero calories is obviously, you know, pretty cool. Like to be able to have a soda that's zero calories is nice. But the effect on your brain is still the same as if it was a regular soda because mm-hmm. the sweet taste will trick your brain into thinking you're getting sugar. And sugar does something very interesting to your brain that actually encourages you to eat more. Like it, it wants you to eat more. So if you have a zero calorie soda, but then you eat 200 additional calories as a result of drinking that mm-hmm. soda because it's it heightening your flavor you know, and your taste buds and everything like that, then you're kind of defeating the purpose. So you yeah. still have to manage how many calories you're consuming in, in the context of a, a, you know, a artificially sweetened beverage. Yeah, that is interesting. I have heard that before. We're like, there might even be, don't quote me on this because I don't know exactly, but I think there's some sort of study where it's like, if you let people, you know, eat a meal with a soda, like a diet soda versus a regular soda, they might, and just kind of like let them eat, you know, whatever they want from the meal, they'll probably end up consuming, you know, equal calories because of that difference of like your body wants more when you have that diet soda and you have that artificial sweetener. So yeah. And it's just so the, the important thing to note, like what we've been talking about in the last few minutes is like, it, it really varies by the individual so much. Can, can, can my friend, you know, have a single serving of Doritos and be fine. And that satisfies him. Yeah. Maybe. And that works for him. Maybe, maybe me, I'm the type of person where it's like, if I open a bag of Doritos, I feel like eating the whole package, you know, the whole family size package or whatever it is. Cause I just can't stop. So maybe that, that isn't a good idea for me to include that in my diet. Uh, that's why, it's so important to focus on that individual variance. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes for all time is know thyself. I mean, you're going to be completely different than somebody else. Who cares if your friend can drink, you know, three sodas a day and, and mm-hmm. still stay a caloric deficit. If you can't, you can't and mm-hmm. you compare yourself to other people or use their strategies. If it defeats the purpose of, you know, your caloric deficit or your attempt to lose body fat. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention that I was thinking of is like, I think it's important for people to think about and know that like we're more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. So you were kind of talking about the example of like someone who does really poorly on intermittent fasting or like it has to have breakfast. You know, they're like, oh, I have to eat breakfast first thing. You know, I get so hungry. But it's like, I mean, is that true or is just that something you've kind of conditioned yourself for? Like we're very resilient. And I think if people really tried, they'd be amazed at how many different things they're capable of. Yeah, right now it might be most comfortable for you to eat breakfast every morning and you get up because that's what you're used to. But you, you know, you may find that if you test that resilience and you, you start to adjust, your body will, you know, react differently. And the, the coolest thing about that to me is it's like, it's teaching you how, how strong you are, which can translate to other areas of life beyond diet. It's like, oh, I never thought I could, I could fast until noon, but I'm doing that now. Maybe it's like, oh, I never thought that I could, who knows, you know, like take on a project lead at work. I, and I, I have more confidence in myself now. So I'm, I see myself doing other things like that. Uh, I like that that's connected to the whole diet aspect too, a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that our habits and our routines, uh, at least in a negative sense, can oftentimes limit what we think we're capable of doing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you're used to a certain routine, it's you're going to think that anything outside of that is is something that you either can't do or or whatever the case may be. And to prove yourself, prove to yourself that you actually can do that is great. The next question is, is once you've proven to yourself that you can do it, can you sustain it? And if yeah, the answer exactly. to that is, you know, if the answer to that is no, then that's fine. Like you've already achieved the goal of making yourself a little bit more resilient. Yeah. Um, if it is something you can sustain, then keep doing it. So let, you know, there's nothing wrong with challenging yourself, even if you can't continue that challenge the yeah, rest it doesn't of life. Have to be for life exactly yeah as long as you understand that that is okay right mm-hmm. some people might get in this mindset well now i gotta do this for life and mm-hmm. if i can't i'm not gonna be successful that's not true again it's very it's a very small checklist when it comes to things you have to do to be successful lose body fat outside of that it's preferential and it's sustained about sustainability mm-hmm. we're about wrapping up on time here i think that's a great last message to end on i love that uh last sound bite there you know i think that if people take a couple things away from this. It's just that don't worry about the last 5%, worry about the first 80 to 90%, which is managing your calories. And then from there, in that same context, think about individualizing things to yourself and what works for you and knowing, knowing thyself, as you say, there's no better way to say it. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great summary of what we talked about today. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Yeah, perfect. So um, the three most active social media platforms that I'm on is Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So well, and face well, and uh, YouTube too. So you can check those out. But basically, it's just at Shane Hubbard Fit on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. And then if you want to check out my YouTube channel, it's just Shane Hubbard Fitness or Shane Hubbard Fit. You'll find it searching either one. And uh, yeah, I post pretty regularly. So you're going to see a lot of content from me if that's what you're into. And yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks again. And we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Jake. Hey, it's Jake again. If this podcast provided you any value, I'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. In addition, it'd really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.